Edgar Allan Poe, author of short stories and poetry, has been both heavily criticized and highly praised for his volumes of work over his lifetime. And while his morbid subject matter is usually how he is remembered with such titles as The Raven, Telltale Heart, The Fall in the House of Usher, and The Murders in the Rue Morgue, his personal tales of woe not only makes one understand the emotion and darkness of his words, but almost feel the anguish of his poor choices and life's outcome. I think, Poe wrote, that I have already had my share of trouble for one so young. This was documented almost 15 years prior to his death. It's true that he had a troubled youth and his rebelliousness of young adulthood cost him the security of a good career and the love of the only family he had ever really known. And even under these dark circumstances, he forged the way for others to make a living, while perhaps not affluent, a living nonetheless, from his writing. In his role as literary critic and editor was how he earned the bulk of his wages, but was known to be especially harsh. While some praised him for his keen eye and deep insight into the art of writing and literary works, others would say that he was quite blunt and downright cruel in his reviews. In his defense, he was known to say, quote, Feeble puffery is not my forte. It will do these fellows good to hear the truth and stimulate them to worthier efforts. End quote. It's fair to say he was equally hard on his own creations as well, though the representations of his past may fail to show it. He was equal parts confident and insecure, as most writers find themselves to be. When he was feeling accomplished and appreciated for his hours of work either at the publication he worked for or while creating his own works of prose or fiction, he was the model employee spending as many hours as it would take to improve, promote, edit, and produce the magazine, increasing their income and readers. But when he was not paid for his effort or acknowledged for his works is when his fragile ego would destroy his current world and he would slip into drunken rages and his words would be written in venomous ink, writing vicious letters causing him to lose many jobs and many friendships. The human thirst for self-torment, he would say in acknowledgement about his uncontrollable outbursts. This roller coaster of glory and self-sabotage would carry him through all the days of his life. But it was during a window of self-improvement that brings this story to light and changes the course of fiction forever. Welcome, my name is Elizabeth Bougeret. And I'm that person when studying the many facets of history likes to peek behind the curtain, investigate hidden passages, drop into the rabbit hole, or dare to walk in the shadows, because we all know that's where the good stories can be found. Take a listen then to discover what dark or peculiar pieces of American history can be found in my bag of bones. Poe was enjoying some acclaim for his recent short story, The Murders in the Rue Morgue, which was printed in the publication The Graham's Ladies and Gentlemen's Magazine, in which he was the editor. Here he introduced the character of Detective C. Auguste Dupont. In the story, using Paris as the backdrop, Dupont uses his powers of observation and deductive reasoning to solve the case of two murdered women while being told through the eyes of the nameless companion. 
In the world of fiction, this story is considered the first in modern detective genre where the reader follows along in the detective's own time while he's solving the crime. Dupont is the predecessor to the famed Sherlock Holmes. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of Sherlock Holmes, would say, quote, Poe is the master of all. To him must be ascribed the monstrous progeny of writers on the detection of crime, end quote. Shortly after the release of his detective story, a real-life story rocks the world and dominates the news publications. It is the murder of a young, beautiful girl by the name of Mary Rogers of New York in the summer of 1841. She had reached the status of local celebrity from being the first cigar girl, a forerunner to the spokesmodel, so to speak. She was pretty and would stand there behind the counter and sell cigars to men. Mary Rogers became the reason why men would choose John Anderson's Tobacco Emporium over the many others in the busy and bustling city of New York. Her likeness would appear in the advertisements and on flyers and in reference to long, flowery, romantic poetry. She was known as the Beautiful Cigar Girl. On July 25th, Mary Rogers disappeared and her floating, lifeless body reappeared on the 28th in the Hudson River in Hoboken, New Jersey. The body had finger depressions on the throat, in addition to a strip of fabric that was torn from the hem of her dress and tied around her neck, ensuring strangulation. Her face had been beaten, and initial reports attest to her being violated, which was later attributed to an abortion gone wrong. The murder of the beautiful cigar girl received national attention and every newspaper clamored to have the newest bits of information concerning the case real or fabricated. It's also worth mentioning that this particular case became the catalyst that changed the face of newspaper reporting forever. In a book by Daniel Stashauer, he mentioned, quote, the drama of Mary Rogers would be one of the earliest, most significant murder cases to play out in the pages of the American press, laying the groundwork for every crime of the century to follow, end quote. This particular case, in order for each publishing house, newspaper, or magazine to outdo the other, the etiquette of the rules of print were thrown out the window. Reporters turned to the most graphic and scandalous scenes to throw above the fold for the attention of the readers. And on a personal note, it's been continual slippery slope ever since. You can't put the cap back on the bottle, and today nothing, nothing, is left to the imagination. At the first hint of a break in the case, newspapers rushed to print. The police were pulled in every direction, and speculation was abound. Enter... Edgar Allan Poe. He decided to take on the case of Mary Rogers in his own way. Disgusted with the way the case was being handled and convinced that his detective character, Dupont, could do better, he decided to take the entire fiasco to Paris. Fictionally, of course. We've all survived history class. My history education was all about cramming dates and names and battles into my teenage brain in order to pass the newest test to make the school look good. I didn't really enjoy history until I was able to revisit it and see that history was made up of people, just like me. They had struggles, 
They had joy, they had sadness, and they felt victories. It became so very real to me. And now I'm on a mission to revisit as much history as I can. Hello, my name's Elizabeth Bougeret. I'm a full-time author and a full-time traveler and I would love to share what I'm learning with you. Come with me. See my sights and stories as I go. I love history now. Real history. Not just the dates and battles. And I've discovered that others do too. So I've created a group in Facebook and I'd love for you to join me on my travels and adventures. Let me reintroduce you to a history that's made up of people places, adventures. I'll even throw in a few battles for good measure. If you love American history with a side of travel, I'm sure you'll enjoy this group. Join me over there. Search the Facebook groups for History Revisited, I'm the one with the blue feather, or type in historyrevisited.info in the search bar and then join in on the adventure. And so I can be sure to welcome you properly, be sure to say hello. Edgar Allan Poe created the serial story, The Mystery of Marie Roget. He studied the facts right along with the police, made his own conclusions, and created a fictional murder case from the actual murder case. This had never been done before. Even though he changed the name and the locations, he was very upfront with his audience that he was paralleling the two stories, that Marie was the French version of Mary in every way. Some of his story includes actual quotes from the American newspapers. Poe has written... Under the pretense of showing how Dupont unraveled the mystery of Marie's assassination, I, in fact, enter into a very rigorous analysis of the real tragedy in New York. What makes this so unique is that he was sleuthing right along with the New York detectives. Through the eyes of fiction, Poe, or rather his top-notch detective Dupont, would conduct his research and write his book as if he were solving the murder of Mary Rogers, even to the point of calling out, if not a valid suspect, but the actual murder. The death of a beautiful woman, Poe would write, is unquestionably the most poetical topic in the world. With this story catching headlines across the nation, the iron was hot for him to sell his idea to the leading publications. He was turned down, probably due to his past history of temper tantrums with them, by two major magazine publications, but it eventually was taken on by The Ladies' Companion magazine, a publication that Poe loathed, but, as mentioned before, burned many a bridge by this point and he desperately wanted to sell this story. He claimed that The Ladies' Companion was ridiculous for its, quote, ill taste and humbuggery. Side note, I don't know if that was a really a vital piece for the story, but who would pass up the opportunity to say the word humbuggery if they got the chance? <laughs> Back to our story. He sold the story, and it was to be presented in three sections delivered over three months. This would not only increase the anticipation of his readers, but allow him to work through the case himself. This story would push his own writing and detective skills to the edge. He was testing himself pushing himself the way he insisted other writers improve their craft. 
Even though his first detective mystery, The Murders in the Rue Morgue, received praise by his peers, he scoffed at their being so easily impressed. He was quoted as saying, Where is the ingenuity of unraveling a web which you yourself, the author, have woven for the express purpose of unraveling? The reader is made to confound the ingenuity of the supposititious Dupont with that of the writer of the story. End quote. Poe was upping the stakes in his own game. As a writer myself, I think the entire web creation of a well-thought-out mystery is a skill and not to be dismissed. But to Poe, it was, in modern vernacular, a cop-out. He believed that there was no great skill in presenting a solution to a mystery of the author's own devising. A real detective had no preordained solution to guide his investigations. End quote. He released The Mystery of Marie Roget, Part 1, in November of 1842, and Part 2 in December. He had Part 3 all set and ready to go when only days prior to its scheduled release, new evidence surfaced in the real-life story of Mary Rogers. Poe went back in and adjusted his version to accommodate the new findings. The third and final act of his detective drama was released February of 1843. Side note, in 1845 he did a complete reprint of the story as a whole, with a few minor adjustments to support his verdict as if Detective Dupont knew those details all along. So, you're probably going to ask if he got the answer right. Did he, Poe, as Detective Dupont, solve the mystery of the death of Mary Rogers and in turn the fictional Marie Roget? We don't know. The death of Mary Rogers is still considered unsolved to this day, and even in Poe's closing, he leaves it cleverly open-ended to interpretation, as is Poe's masterful writing legacy. While the abortion would have guaranteed her death, the strangulation hastened it. He uses quotation marks to name and yet not name the culprit, and reading further hints at other parties that may or may not have been involved. So, it is also believed that he knew more than what he revealed with his quote from the story, Nothing was omitted in Marie Roget but what I omitted myself. He continues in his statement with, But for the sake of relatives, this is a topic on which I must not speak further. And to the actual cause of her death, which, if you recall, was attributed to a botched abortion, which was also written in a way to evoke interpretation. Was it a mistake of a medical procedure making it an accidental death? Or was it murder when the procedure is handled by the inept hands of an abortionist? Poe gives only ambiguity and possibility. Did he really know the answer? He tells the world he did. But was it truth based on Mary or fiction based on Marie? At the time, this book got mixed reviews and Poe was not to achieve full acclaim until he released his work, The Raven. But looking back to see his brilliant spin on sentence structure and his use of descriptive words and visual concepts, it's easy to see how his skill as a writer has impacted authors from that day forward many giving him credit for their inspiration, such as Oscar Wilde, for example, referring to him as, quote, this marvelous lord of rhythmic expression, end quote. Poe died penniless and alone in a hospital in October 1849 at the young age of 40. 
The cause of his death is still discussed at length, even today. It always saddens me that his true genius was not appreciated in the time of his life, but, like so many other artists, is only recognized after death. Love him or hate him, he has changed the world of writing and, in turn, for readers, and these days he is celebrated for paving such a path. I leave you with this final quote. I have perseveringly struggled against a thousand difficulties and have succeeded, although not in making money, still in attaining a position in the world of letters, of which, under the circumstances, I have no reason to be ashamed. Bag of Bones is researched and recorded by Elizabeth Bougeret, produced by the Ragtag Network and History Revisited, music by Johnny Reed, copyrights by Elizabeth Bougeret and DCT Enterprises.